This is the Airplane Geeks Podcast. Our aim is to educate and inform you, explore and expand your passion for aviation, and to entertain you a little along the way. Our guest this episode is travel guru Johnny Jett, and we talk about the mess that is air travel these days, including long lines at the airport, flight delays and cancellations, and higher fares. What is an air traveler to do? We ask Johnny. Also, more Albuquerque balloon fiesta tips, some other upcoming events, including the annual Spurwink Farm International Fly-In and the second annual Plane Tags Festival. Also, there's a GA airport for sale, in case you're interested. And what's being called the world's most efficient passenger plane? All that and more coming up right now. Welcome to the Airplane Geeks Podcast. This is episode 706 of the show where we talk aviation. I'm Max Flight, and joining me first is Rob Mark. He's contributing editor to Business and Commercial Aviation, part of the Aviation Week group, and he's publisher at JetWine.com. Hey, good evening. Thanks for inviting me back. I can't believe after the last time you still did that, but I, I think that's what happens when you have longtime friends. They put up with a lot. Hopefully the listeners can Yeah. Yeah, it's been an exciting couple of months, I'll tell you that. But we'll talk later. But uh thanks and I, I can't wait to uh to chat with Johnny Jet. Very right. Also with us is our main man Micah. Hey, it's great to be here and so happy to see Rob. I mean we always knew he had a screw loose, but now we know for sure. Yeah, literally. And also with us this episode is Brian Coleman, our former associate producer and co-host and now field contributor slash something we haven't decided on yet. <laughs> yeah, you could throw in global travel in there. Global so, travel. Yeah, so hey, Max and everyone. Yeah, that's for the special project that I'm working on. I just refer to myself now as a global traveler. So. It fits. It yeah, fits. really looking forward to to the show and and pitching in here, being, a, I guess, a, a relief, part of the relief crew. That's right. Uh, Max Trescott has a family anniversary that he is uh, attending right now. And David is, uh, he, David is stuck at the museum. It's been a busy week for, for him. So he's uh, kind of buried at the museum at the moment. But let me introduce our guest. As Rob mentioned, it's Johnny Jett. Now, Johnny's a well-known travel expert. He logs around 150,000 air miles a year, I guess. And he and his website, johnnyjet.com, have been featured literally thousands of times in major publications, including USA Today, Time, Fortune, the New York Times. He's also appeared on ABC, CBS, CNBC, CNN, Fox, all of them, MSNBC, NBC, and PBS. And also, you can find Johnny every Saturday on Leo Laporte's The Tech Guy Show, where he talks about travel and technology. So, Johnny, welcome to the Airplane Geeks podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. We're, uh, we're really looking forward to our conversation because, you know, it, it seems kind of timely. I think that if anyone who follows the news or, or talks to uh, frequent flyers can see that air travel is currently kind of a mess. We see... Flight <laughs> cancellations, yeah. yeah, delays, long lines at the airport. Uh, it, it's generally kind of a miserable flying experience, commercial anyway. Now, we'll look at some of the reasons for this uh, in, in a minute. But, Johnny, why don't we start off and just 
How bad is it out there? Is it, is it as bad as it seems to be? It is for, for some. You know, I think it's all, um, you know, the luck of the draw. I mean, I have I have travel advisors emailing me right now saying that, you know, they they know better than anybody to, you know, leave a day early to get on the first flight in the morning and they're still not getting out. One just sent a comment just now. So, you know, for to hear this from travel advisors, you know it's bad. And um it's never we've never seen anything like this before. Not I mean at least in my years and I think in anyone's basically because um you know with the first of all there's the war now, the inflation and and but most of all covid is really sure it's done a number. Well, and I think that as people are kind of loosening up on their their covid restrictions uh, as their lifestyles are kind of returning back to the way things were to a certain extent, it just seems like people just want to get out there and, and get out of the house and, and travel. And they and they are. They they do. I am too. I'm in Toronto right now visiting my wife's family and she hadn't seen them in almost three years. So, you know, we used all, we took all the precautions and um, so far so good. But yeah. So I might be jumping I, I might be jumping ahead here, but you said inflation was one of the reasons, and I'd actually think inflation would deter people from traveling, but it seems like there's so much pent-up demand from the last three years where people don't care what the prices are, and the prices are astronomical this summer, and every plane is packed. Well, you know what? Not every plane's packed, but the prices are. I mean, I, listen, I was just looking for a flight today to go L.A., New York, which I used to do all the time to go see my dad. And uh, for mid-July on a Tuesday, it was nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Coach, yeah. I was paying six thirty for business class last year. That's insane to me because you, you, were, you sometimes you can get it for $99 if you're really lucky. But typically, you're paying three twenty round trip. But nine ninety nine one way. I mean, come on, that's a lot. But you know, you know what else? I, I think what what it says about the airline industry is that as, as a travel mode, what could you say? You know, we all have. I like United. I like American. I like Southwest. Whatever. But what more could you say that's bad about the industry than to say they've become completely unreliable? Uh, yeah. And I mean that that to me is the worst because of what you just said. Start out in the morning, be on the first flight, and you still can't be guaranteed you'll even get out that day. I, I mean, what what's the point? I mean, pent up demand or not? I mean, if you can't go where you want to go, even remotely close to when you want to go, what's what's the point? I, I don't have an answer for you. But the only thing worse <laughs> yeah. is uh, safety issues. Unfortunately, that's all been True. good so far. But um, and that's the most important thing, obviously. But, mm-hmm. you know, I wrote a popular post this week about a. I, I watched an interview of a American Airlines pilot, you know, actually sounding the alarm, saying that Americans starting to cut corners on some of their safety issues. And I was like, what? And he used an, exa- he used an example of the CNBC uh, interview. And he used, a, used an example of, you know, when a pilot flies to Guatemala City for the first time, they always have a teacher there next to him. And now they're saying, just, just download the app on, on the iPad and watch it and you'll be fine. And he's like, that's insane. And so that's, that, that scared me. Yeah. Safety is a, is, is sort of the, the one thing that you don't want to see any compromises on, but uh, go ahead, Micah, you were going to say something. 
we can blame a lot of this on the airlines, and that's what people typically do, but it's not always the airline's fault. A close friend of the show that is a a high mucky muck at at London Heathrow uh, sent us a note the other day, or Brian and I a note the other day, that explained that back in 2019, he looked at staffing and the ground handling staffing patterns of the security people, the ground handling, uh, all the labor people, is at 52% of what it was in 2019. But the passenger numbers are at 102%. And they are now looking at, for all of London Heathrow, what they're going to do if the numbers get so great in the terminal that it exceeds evacuation standards and how they're going to close it down because of emergency situations, because they just don't have the ground staff to handle it, let alone what the airlines have. Right. I, I watched an interview this week with Willie Walsh, who was the ex um, CEO of BA and now the CEO of IATA. And he's saying, listen, COVID did a number on them because everyone has this, you know, desire to do a flexible work week. You can work from home and and be with your family, but in the airline industry, you cannot. He's like, pilots have to fly. Baggage handlers have to load the planes. Flight attendants have to, you know, be there for safety and serve. So as well as the TSA employees, right. And they're experiencing the same. Definitely. And he, and he mentioned that too. He mentioned that too. And now, and now, you know, on Friday, the airline started saying that they're going to, they're blaming the FAA saying they're not staffing enough people in the, air traffic controllers it's a mess plus people are getting sick with covid so you know and they're rightfully staying home which is the right thing to do but some of the airlines are actually telling employees you know you can only stay home for a certain amount of time we need you if you have covid or not now that i find shocking that's amazing Uh, johnny do you have any sense for the the mood of the traveling public i mean are people just accepting this and saying this is the way it is or are are travelers angry what what's the mood out there at the airport it's a mixed bag i mean some people are it all depends on their attitude i know a lot of people are just saying you know what i'm staying home until this gets better others are like you know what i'll go in early i'll just take it easy and see how it goes and others are just yelling at people so (laughs) Uh, always be nice to the flight attendants i dated a flight attendant for four years I learned this. Yeah, actually, I even learned it before I even um, started dating her. Actually, that's how. That's why she went on a date with me because I was so nice with them. I brought. I always bring chocolates on the plane for for flight attendants mm-hmm. and and the gate agents. And um, yeah, that's that's something that Brian has a, uh, I think, a worldwide reputation for uh, for doing the same, and 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 Micah as well. Definitely. Yeah, and that's not right because. I bring chocolates on the planes for the flight attendants every time I fly, but none of them date me. So I don't know what it is you got, Johnny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were delayed. You have you know, to ask. Yeah. Well, you know, we got right into the news, but, you know, we all know Johnny's history, but not all our listeners may. So, Johnny, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you became Johnny Jet. I mean, this travel guru. How, how did this happen for you? And, and, and how did it, where did it come from? Well, I grew up in Connecticut. I was always amazed with flying. You know, my first flight was I'm four years old, and I just blew my mind that, you know, we can go from freezing cold Connecticut to hot and sunny Florida in two and a half hours. And it still blows me away when I get on these planes. Like, how lucky are we to to be able to travel the world the, the way we do in comfort? And I think a lot of people get spoiled or they forget that. I mean, if my great grandfather even my grandfather who god rest his soul passed away a while ago if he knew i've gone to hawaii for dinner 
They wouldn't believe it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're just very fortunate. But, you know, actually, when I was 16, I became afraid to fly. And I never traveled that. We never flew that much growing up. I mean, I have a, I come from a fairly large family. It was expensive back then. So most of our trips were driving, and we only flew a handful of times. But when I was 16, I, I just got the fear of God in me. It's a long story. But I talked to my mom and go on the first international trip, our first international trip, which was to Australia, to go visit my uh, sisters who were living there at the time. And uh, we got to the airport, and I have a full-on anxiety attack, like oh, big no. time. And my, my mom thought I was joking when we were sitting there at the about to get on the plane. I go, I can't get on. And she's like, she laughed. And when she realized I was not joking, I had tears in my eyes. She started crying, saying, like, what's going on? Then all of a sudden, my dad, who was dropping us off, started crying because he was like, I thought I had the house to my house my, myself for two weeks. <laughs> anyway, they brought me to all kinds of shrinks, and it just didn't work. But for three years, I was afraid to get on the plane. And then once I did, when I was 21, I went to school in California, and it just turned my life around. And now all of a sudden, I was flying between L.A. and New York to go to school, you know, for spring break or Easter or Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, it was just amazing to watch these business travelers just zip right up to the front of the line while I'm way in the back of the line, the way in the back of the plane in the middle seat. My bag is coming out last. And I just started watching these guys and, and asking questions, especially to them and to flight attendants and just being obsessed. I'd even go to the airport just to pretend I was getting on a flight. Back then, you'd go through, there was no security. And um, it always amazed me that you go so far away. And I just started mastering it. And then after I graduated college, actually in college, I dated a girl whose parents lived in Asia. In the first year, she invited me to Singapore. And I, I gave her some lame reason why I couldn't go. But it was, the real reason was it was fear. I was afraid to go because I had asthma. That was the reason for my, uh, by the way, that was the reason for my um, anxiety. My, I have too much medicine. And, um, but the next summer she invited me to Hong Kong and I was like, you know, I got to do it. But she only flew business class or first cause her dad was a big banker, had so many miles. And so listen, if you're going to have your first out of coach experience, you want to do it on a trans Pacific flight. <laughs> yes. And I talked to my dad into buying me a business class ticket. I actually, that was my first real mm-hmm. get was finding a cheap ticket. I went through a consolidator. I found a business class ticket for $1,300. It was $300 more than coach. That's excellent. Yeah. And, um, man, I just, it was an incredible experience. I was there for a month. I just fell in love with travel. I got addicted to my miles back then. It was United. I was like, man, they're giving me a free trip, basically a free trip in the U S just for that one flight. And I just started flying and I took a job at a college where I was uh, recruiting and everyone in the office quit. So instead of just driving locally, I was flying all around the country. And I really started mastering travel just because I was flying so much and loyalty points. And I started writing about it in a little email to my friends who, who worked in the office. This is 1995. So email was brand new. And I was like, listen, just call up this number, punch in your um, United Frequent Flyer number, and Hilton will give you a point for every mile you fly, even if you stay in Hilton or not. I had 130,000 miles without even staying in a Hilton. It was, a, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And back then, 130,000 points would get you a lot. Yeah, it actually meant something then. Yeah. So anyway, Who started that's my calling story. you Johnny Jet? Who started calling you Johnny Jet the first? Well, you know what? Growing up, my nickname was Johnny Jet Ski. 
because I used to jet ah. ski on Long Island Sound. And then when I started, you know, mastering travel, working at this college, I was actually yeah. um, started teaching seminars at these big college uh, uh, conferences. And I was there like, you need to come up with a name. I was like, listen, I'm not Polish. I'll just drop the ski. And um, so I just went to Johnny Jet. I bought the domain name. Back then, I could have bought Nike. I could have bought McDonald's. I could have made millions. <laughs> I know. I, I think of the same thing, uh, having started early in the internet days. Yeah. I mean, what was I thinking? But I, you know, I got Johnny Jet, which was a great name for me. And um, it's just, I've been, I've been sending my newsletter ever since, since 1995. I've only missed a few weeks. And, uh, and I love it. And I've been, then people started calling me for radio interviews and TV interviews. I did a travel show on, the travel channel and I've been fortunate, but when she had, I had, I got married, I met my wife on a press trip. She is a, a journalist and we traveled to like, I think about, I think 65 countries together as a couple. And then once we had kids, which was five, five years ago, you know, we slowed down a bit. I used to go to 20 countries a year. Then I started going to five and COVID <laughs> hit. I started going to zero. Yeah. <laughs> So, and Johnny, now, uh, you must have a lot of – well, in fact, I know you have a lot of advice or tips for for um, people who are hoping to travel this summer by air. What are your some of your big recommendations? Well, postpone if you can. Yeah. But if you can't, you know, take the first flight out. Try and fly midweek. I think that really helps a lot. Also, um, you know, fly an airline that has a lot of routes on that on – a lot of flights on that route – that way, if one flight gets canceled, you won't be stuck somewhere. Have a backup plan. If you really need to be somewhere, besides leaving a day or two early, you can really do a nuclear option, which is buy a, a refundable ticket on another airline three hours later, going through a different city or different part of the country if you have to make a connection. That way, if there's weather in one place, you can at least have this. And then if your flight does go out, make sure you cancel the other flight, at least get that credit. But that's a real nuclear option. Yeah. And um, and I always have a backup plan. Be nice to everybody, especially the flight attendants and gate agents. And um, don't don't check a bag. Carry on only. And uh, what else can I tell you? I I wrote a whole guide. I spent a day a few days ago on my 2022 survival guide. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Excellent. Excellent tips. And. You know, on the on, on the planning part of it, I, I was uh, watching on the news and uh, uh, someone was uh, taking a cruise from Vancouver, um, which is a, a popular departure destination for for cruise ships on the west coast. And uh, you know, her her flight got um, either delayed or canceled. I don't I don't know which, but she wasn't able to take that flight. And so the activities that she had planned in Vancouver that she had paid for, you know, they're gone. Um, you know, the cruise was in jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a, a disaster. But it's it's so inconvenient to say, okay, I need to be at in this uh, city on this date and to say, well, okay, how many days in advance of that should I plan to get there so that if things do go wrong, you know, I won't be late or I won't miss the opportunity. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be – it's a crazy way to travel. It is, but I mean, listen. Even before COVID, when my when I would go on a cruise, especially internationally, I would always go at least two days early, just to make sure you don't miss the boat, to get acclimated to the time zone, and also to enjoy that port city, that that first port. So 
you know, you really need to go in early. And Max, Johnny, I think mm-hmm. one of the other things that is oftentimes overlooked, but is phenomenally helpful, especially these days, is having travel insurance. And especially if you're traveling more than two times a year, getting an annual travel policy really comes in handy. And I've been doing that for quite some time, and it saved my bacon several times. Uh, you, you, know, you were talking about the uh, getting to a port city early for a cruise. This just happened this weekend to my nephew. Uh, we had his wedding, or he had his wedding reception in Philadelphia, so I flew to Philadelphia for that. He left Philadelphia, had to fly to Seattle and get on a cruise ship. The flight that he was on in Philadelphia got canceled, so he had to reroute through Newark. Fortunately, my brother lives in New Jersey, so drove him to Newark Airport, got to Seattle, missed the ship, and had to get another flight up to Juneau to get on his honeymoon cruise. And here, all because you know he didn't go the day before. However, he did have the travel insurance, and they covered the expense of getting him on his honeymoon. So there's real benefit. The travel insurance, in my opinion, can be fairly expensive. But if you look at an annual travel policy and you travel two, three times a year, it pays for itself. Oh, I have one. I've been full disclosure. I'm one of Allianz's travel ambassadors, brand ambassadors, and I've been for years. And, um, you know, I've had one of their annual plans for a long time. It's a it's well worth it. Hmm. And. I didn't know that annual plans were available. I, I, I was unaware of that. Yeah, that's the that. problem. Yeah, most people don't. And yeah, yeah they're, they're really great value, I think. Definitely. Interesting. I, I think mine is only like, I think $700 a year. Hmm. If you travel a lot, that's, yeah, that's a nice investment, a good investment. But also, uh, I mean, there are issues with uh, other, other travel-related aspects, uh, rental cars and parking and, and things like that. People are um, still, I know... I, I don't know if currently rental uh, rental cars are difficult to to obtain as they were. Certain markets they are. I I just rented one and I had a talk with the uh, agent behind. He's like, yeah, certain markets they're very difficult. Book your book your car rental the moment you book your flights. That way, it, you know, there and make sure you don't buy the non refundable ones. You know, you might save ten percent or whatever, or even fifteen dollars, whatever it is. Do not do book the non refundable one. Uh, because you never know what will happen. And that way, keep, keep checking your prices on the car rental because a lot of times they go down, but lately they've been going up. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to take it, just cancel it. And some of them, you don't even have to call. But with the car rentals, yeah, the, the, you know, they're still having a difficult time um, making these chips for the, for the, to produce new cars. So, yeah, you're going to get once, – once you rent a car now, it's not going to be a brand-new car like it used to be. They're going to have at least 20,000 miles on there. And uh, it's 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 expensive, but book early. Yeah, and they're going to be um, pricey. Hmm. Definitely. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. You mentioned the chips, and and that kind of brings up the the notion that this isn't just a an airline problem or a travel industry problem. That all of these things, you know, the economy it, it all interrelates, and it affects the different elements of the economy. So uh, you know, it's a it's a broad issue. It's not just that there are not enough pot, you know, pilots. Uh, or there's a shortage of pilots or that there aren't enough TSA inspectors or anything like that. It, it sort of all fits together, which, which makes solving it um, difficult. It makes reacting to it um, difficult as well. We, we mentioned um, ticket prices previously. Are there any, any tips, Johnny, or any things you can offer that might help people 
keep the, 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 the amount they spend on airfare down? Definitely. So you can look at second, secondary airports. So instead of, let's say, you're flying L.A. to South Florida, instead of going to Miami, you can look at Fort Lauderdale. But also look at new airlines like Breeze Airways and Avello. Once they, you know, a lot of people don't know about them. They have really low fares. And, and or when it were a new even when an old airline launches a new route, jump on it because a lot of times they put in these introductory fares. So I know is it North Atlantic? They're just starting to fly from Fort Lauderdale to to the UK is like ninety nine dollars or one fifty something ridiculous. Um, you can get right on those. And uh, again, there's there's definitely opportunities out there, and you just got to look for them. Yeah, you have to be persistent. Uh, Brian, in all your recent air travel, are, are, what are you seeing in this space? I'm seeing airfare in the summer just about double from what it was uh, six months ago, which is really, really frustrating because I need to book a few more tickets and it's just really expensive out there. So a lot of my travel is not happening this summer. I'm actually waiting until uh, September, October timeframe. And although the prices are still high in January, February, I'm hoping come September, they'll start to normalize. I'm really hoping that once the kids go back to school and demand starts to come down a little bit, the airlines will readjust their pricing. So that's that's my hope, but hope is not a strategy. <laughs> yeah. They should, they should. But, um, you know, I booked my tickets for December already just because I didn't want mm-hmm. to take a chance. I actually, some of the tickets were with miles, and I found like I actually found sweet spots, six thousand miles to fly L.A. to Toronto on American, insane, right? Yeah. Six thousand yeah. miles. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I also, I booked my tickets for uh, this trip I'm on right now. I, I booked lie flat seats in May for uh, L.A. to New York for twenty thousand miles a piece. I booked it last August. I checked a week before that same flight was 50,000 miles for coach. Hmm. Yeah. I booked 20,000 so, for business. Yeah. One of the things that Johnny talked about before that many people might not know exists, but especially for international tickets are ticket consolidators. So these are companies that buy large groups of tickets or make a commitment to an airline to spend X number of dollars in either business or first class tickets. And they, can really provide a substantial savings over what you would go to if you went to a kayak or Priceline or whatever booking engine you want to use to book your tickets. Uh, so there can be some really significant savings there. But pay with a credit the card. Is, I made a lot of mistakes. I haven't used one since I booked that Hong Kong ticket, by the way. But I didn't use a credit card, and I came mm-hmm. close to getting hosed. But, um Yeah. Yeah, there are certainly downsides and depending on what your goals are. For example, with my project, I'm trying to acquire the miles to do it. With some consolidator tickets, you don't get the benefits. So if you're looking to achieve status with an airline and those miles don't count towards status, you're kind of defeating your purpose. Yeah, you might be getting to your destination a few dollars cheaper, but what's you have to look at the entire picture and find out really what your true goal is. Definitely. You always got to read the and fine print, the travel insurance, and the tickets. 
You don't necessarily have the, the protections either that you would get when you pay with your own credit card directly to the airline. And whenever you buy from a consolidator, Kayak or Expedia or whatever, you may not be getting the same protections that you had. And speaking of the travel insurance, I just did a quick quote for myself for annual travel insurance. And at my age, in my state, for the premier plan, it's under $500 for the year, which is actually awesome. a pretty darn good deal considering what it is. Yes. And which um, company? So- Allianz? Uh, who would go anywhere else? That's where I bought my travel insurance <laughs> when I went to the UK with Brian. What does it normally cost to add that travel insurance on a, on a say, a, an LA coast to coast ticket or something? There's a lot of variables, and you, and yeah. again, you got to read the fine print because you know that insurance that you're buying, Micah, it might not cover COVID. So you might want to call and speak to someone and say, "Hey, does this cover COVID or whatever else you're worried about?" So that's a problem with buying online. Aliyats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have called Allianz uh, when I needed the insurance for my trip to the UK, and the people were great. I got wonderful, wonderful responses. I've just got right. to say that, yeah. and I'm not sucking up to you, Johnny, just the way it really hey, went. It, it was super this, uh, if, it, if it's not, I want to hear it, because I'm going to hear it from other people. So No, and, and, and so. I did check on that, and the plan that Mike is talking about, I've checked into that. It's actually the one that I have as well, and it does indeed cover COVID. Hmm. Okay, Good. great. I so, mean, yeah. yeah. They, yeah they, so they, at that they, price they point, it's, yeah. Because, um, because but, when the pandemic Rob, hit, they were, was not covering it, and now it is. So yeah, I, Rob, to answer your question, the insurance could be two hundred and fifty dollars for that ticket. So that's why I said, really, after two three trips, it pays just to get an annual policy if that's what you're planning on sure. doing. Yeah, and the other point. thing about, and again, this shouldn't be a sales pitch for Allianz because other companies do this as well. One of the things that I really like about it is it doesn't have to be for air travel per se. If you're 50 miles, it's either 50 or 100 miles away from home, it covers you as well. So let's say if I were to go up to San Francisco and not be able to get back home by driving, because let's say I got sick, they would pay for a hotel for me for a trip from Los Angeles to San Francisco when I drove. And that, I think, is a pretty nice benefit. Yeah, definitely. Is it 50 or is it 100? I again, I'm, I it might be a hundred. I think okay. it used to be fifty, and they might have increased it okay. to a hundred. Okay, hmm. but yep. Again, that's why another reason why you got to read the fine print just to, so you know. Yeah, and it probably depends on which policy as well. For sure. Yeah, because they they do have different levels. Anyway, not an Allianz commercial. But the other thing in, in terms of. In terms of offering advice, I was with some friends uh, yesterday who were planning some travel to Florida for Thanksgiving from up here in Maine. And I said, book your tickets now. Absolutely buy them at this moment. I don't care what the cost is. Buy them now. Get refundable tickets. You can always look and see if you can find a cheaper ticket later and refund what you get, uh, what what you paid for now if you buy the refundable ones. But don't not buy them at this time because it's only going to get worse. For when when they coming up? Thank, they're heading to Florida from Maine around Thanksgiving. I see. Yeah, going around Thanksgiving. If you have those set dates, you should book it. But otherwise, I would wait. Just a, you know. Well, you know, I don't know. My, Thirty my, days my, out. Forty days out. Yeah, my advice is to buy the ticket when you think it's a good price. And right. most of the airlines have done away with the change fees. And this just happened to me today. On a flight that I have upcoming to Singapore, they changed one of the segments and I could change the flight for free because they changed the segments and it was actually an entire 27 cents cheaper, but they <laughs> refunded me the 27 cents. 
Wow. How do you and, and, and had it been $300 cheaper, they would have refunded me the $300. So, right. and, and, and I've had that happen on some other tickets. So I think it's really just a matter of buying the ticket when you think it's a good price, especially without the change fees. If the yeah. price decreases and you could set a, an alert in Fair Google alert. Flights, for example, and when the price goes down, rebook it at the lower price and get a travel credit. Right. Good advice. Yeah, always set a fair alert and know the prices of the route that you're, you're you're buying. Well, you know, when I was doing a lot of international travel in the past, uh, I loved the uh, the lounges at the airports. Uh, just you know, an oasis, uh, a place to to work, to relax, have a little something to eat or whatever. And 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 recently, and and Micah found that this item. Uh, Delta Airlines has changed its uh, policy for Sky Club lounges. I don't know, Johnny, if you're familiar with this change, but uh, they've... Uh, They're not a WeWork, they said. Yeah, they said we're not a WeWork. <laughs> which, which, is, which, is, which is BS because they are a WeWork. Exactly. You pay for a membership. You, you delay the flight or cancel it. Where do you want me to go? Yeah, yeah. So, so they, th- there are a lot of rules, and, and when you look on the uh, uh, Sky Club's uh, website, they, they have all these things laid out, and it's, it's kind of complicated to work your way through. So I'm not sure all of the news reports have got it completely right, but in, in general, you, uh, you have to uh, – or you can only check into a Sky Club lounge uh, within three hours of your scheduled departure time. Uh, there are some exceptions. Yeah, have you seen some of these lines online? You, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I see these images on Twitter, and not just Delta, but American. Especially, it wasn't mm-hmm. Charlotte. They just reopened the other, their main one. But to get into the clubs, our lines. I'm like, are you serious? I mean, the whole point of getting a membership is so you can get in there and have better access to an agent who can help you with a ticket. But because of all these delays and cancellations. These lounges are packed. They're swamped. And staffing issues, they don't have the agents in the lounge right. to help you as well. Right. So it's – I'm really, really frustrated over this one. I hope it doesn't affect United. Years ago, I purchased a lifetime membership at the United Club. So I'm $400? How much was it? No, it was actually 2500 Okay. So and I was one of the – My got it at 400 yeah, I I bought it the second to the last year it was available. Anyway, um, so my very first drink was really expensive, and they've been getting progressively cheaper every year. Uh, anyway, uh, part of the thing in getting the, the membership was you had access. And originally it was you had access any day. Even if you didn't have a ticket on United, right. then a few years ago they changed it where you can only get in the same day that you have a ticket for. Now, if they reduce it to only three hours before flight departure, I, I feels almost like they're changing the rules from when I purchase. So the the terms of sale they're changing, and that doesn't make me very happy. Yeah, well, welcome to the airline industry. Yes, but did you read the uh, the reasons the reasons that that changed in that Delta story? I think it was in the Wall Street about about a fellow who had a. Uh, a refundable ticket or something, and he used to spend his his days in the Delta Lounge eating mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, <laughs> and then he'd go somewhere and then come back the next day. Or you know, th- there's always a way somebody finds to scam the system. Yes, yes. And there's just a few bad apples that ruin it for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the people who you know used to use doctor's notes as reasons to you know have a doctor write a note for to get the refundable ticket, and then you know. 
all of a sudden they said no, no doctor notes. And it just, you know, there was legitimate reasons. It was actually a health problem. Fortunately, because of COVID, that was one of the best things that come, came out of COVID is that they now allow uh, no, no ticket, no change fees. There was a whole Seinfeld episode about that. Remember George and the bereavement fair? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. They stopped doing but, the bereavement fairs. So, Johnny, tell our audience where you know where they can find all the uh, the, the Johnny Jet universe, the website, the, the services that you offer. Where can they uh, learn more about you and what you offer them? Yeah, well, I'm not a travel agent, but um, you know, I hopefully, hopefully, you'll sign up to my free newsletters. I have a daily travel tip and a weekly newsletter. And you go to johnnyjet.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y-J-E-T, just one T. I'm not related to Joan, unfortunately. And um, Or you can follow me on social media. I'm at johnnyjet, J-O-H-N-N-Y-J-E-T on everything. Very good. All right. Well, Johnny, we really want to thank you for coming on the show. I know you've got a, you know, a busy life, a busy lifestyle. We enjoy uh, hearing you Saturdays on, uh, on Leo's Tech Guy program. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I got two little kids, so my life is really uh, busy. Yeah, they, they children change your life, don't they? They do for the better, but yes. they do change it. All right, thanks again, Johnny. Hey, take hey, care. Thanks Thank for you. coming on. So, Rob, do you have a what's up with the geeks? Um, I I just want to know why you guys are picking on me. I mean. I, I've been I've been a little under the weather and and I come back and and you know you want me to refresh, yeah. I mean, well, why can't Brian and, and Micah refresh? I mean, I, I because you know. you're the song, Robert Mark. Why is everybody always picking <laughs> on me? I took a shower no, actually, today, so I'm already refreshed. I, <laughs> oh man. Man, you guys are stealing all my material. Oh. <laughs> no, actually, uh, this Thursday I'm having a uh, a second tweaking surgery, which is supposed to put me back to normal. I know, I know what's normal. Okay, I just yeah, we did I that. Beat you there. We did that. Uh, but no, last couple of months since I had that first surgery on my uh, my uh, spinal column, it's been it's been uh, not fun for me. And uh, the uh, surgeon and I had a long chat this morning and. He said, we're going to get you fixed up better than new. And I said, look, you know what? Just the old me would be just fine. I don't need any special deals. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so Thursday, we'll find out if uh, if this is really true. But that's that to me is a big deal. And because uh, I haven't been flying in a couple of months. So I'm looking forward to getting back to that once, uh, you know, we get all these medical issues uh, uh, kind of stirred up or I'm sorry, stirred away. Hmm. Stirred up, stirred away, squared away. away, squared away, so, squared away. Like I said, once we get all these issues squared away, and thank you, Brian. <laughs> so, but uh, so otherwise, you know, in pretty good health for an old dude. All right, well, that's good. Very good to hear. Um, as for myself, uh, so I had a little change in plans, and I uh, will not be going to Air Venture this year, um, unfortunately. Um, however. Uh, Mike, uh, uh, you and I have something coming up, along with a, f- a few hundred of our closest friends. 
Well, yes, I got some very, very great news this week. This is the my What's Up with the Geeks. And my great news was that my really good friend, Max Flight, is coming to visit for the Spurwing Farm Pancake Breakfast oh, and Fly-In wow. on July 11th. I am so excited about that. And I was hoping that, my, that, that Rob Mark was going to be healed by then, that we were going to celebrate his surgery, but just didn't quite work out. Uh, well, you know what? I really wanted to be there, too. We were looking forward to it. But yeah, Max, uh, so uh, how did that happen? I'm, I'm so happy. I'm really, really thrilled. I'm going to be able to get to visit with you again. You're coming out for the event. How, how did you manage this, to swing that? Well, we just had such a great time uh, last time that uh, it, it's definitely been high on the list of, of things to, uh, to return to. It's a beautiful setting. Of course, it's July 10th, Sunday, July 10th, 2022. If you can drive up there to Cape Elizabeth, Maine, or if you can fly up there even better, it, it'll be a, a, a great fun event. I just see it as, as sort of a you know a, a classic fly-in pancake breakfast fly-in kind of a thing. Lots of different kinds of aircraft. Many many very interesting aircraft. Um, you know people that you haven't seen in a in a year or so. Um, so it'll be a great fun. And of course, it's that beautiful setting, Spurwing Farm. What a, I could just move there and you know set up my camper and just live on the farm and be happy for the rest of my life. I think it's just so, so gorgeous. Well, and you know, what's funny about, about uh, pancake breakfast is that you never hear anybody say, well, how's the food? Because nobody Nobody cares. cares. I mean, it's the last thing on anybody's mind is what is the food like? Is there such a thing as a bad pancake though? This one has fresh Maine blueberries and I bet you it's one of the few, if any, pancake breakfast, fly-in pancake breakfast. This is actual, real Maine maple syrup. They have the fake stuff if you want it, but the real maple syrup is always right there. Oh, man. There's the difference. I'm really sorry I'm going to miss it. Yeah, that's going to be too bad. But there's uh, always uh, opportunities in the future. Hey, Micah, have you seen this little thing that that Max trails around behind his truck? This little camper. He brought it with him last year, and I think you're bringing it again this year. That's why Max is only three feet four. I mean, I never <laughs> knew that those things worked like that. And uh, I was just amazed at how short it, well, tall it's, how tall it's how tall not. it's not, yeah. Hope- and it comes with its own teepee. I hope to be camped out in the, uh, in the horse field again. Hey, I hope you guys have a good time. I'm sure we will. And Brian, you have an interesting event coming up. I do. It's the Plain Tags 2 Festival. Uh, so our, our friends down at Moto Art and Plain Tags are opening up their warehouse again, and that's going to be on August 12th and 13th. And I'm going to be there. And hopefully our listeners, anyone in the Southern California area can stop by or even people from far away uh, can come and join and I'll be there and I'll have my microphone with me and hopefully get some good recordings out of that show. So I'm looking forward to meeting everyone since I'm taking the summer off and I'm not traveling this summer because of all the reasons that we talked about earlier in the show. And I really was planning on coming out to uh, the pancake breakfast and I'm upset that I'm, that I'm going to miss out on that. Well, the plane tags festival sounds uh, just r- like a really great event. I mean, we're we're talking about a, a dinner Friday night. They're going to have uh, some, I guess, some deals on the, on the products that you can buy. There's a lunch on Saturday, and then the guest speaker, actually a previous airplane geeks guest, 
Yeah, former guest. Yeah, former guest, SR seventy one pilot Brian Shaw is going to be is going to be there. He was on. Uh, I don't know what episode that was, but that was years ago. Several. Boy, if I had my associate producer hat on, I would have had that answer for you. I know. I didn't think to look it up uh, ahead of time, but he has just a wonderful. You know, I think about the story he told us at least several times a year. It just you know it pops into my head, or I'm in some kind of a situation where. You know, I recall his story of lying in the hospital bed all burned and not to be graphic, but pretty crispy, maybe not surviving and, and what it was that pulled him through that. It just comes to my mind over and over again. So uh, um, that'll be very cool to have him there. And plane tags themselves are just a great product. We had the uh, uh, the, the creator of plane tags as a guest on the show. I can't remember when that was, but uh, they're they're just wonderful. And I found out because Pasadena Brian himself, thank you so much, gave me this one of this beautiful PBY five A, and it's a piece of a PBY five A. And as our our old friend, the late Launchpad, used to say, "You broke up an entire PBY just to get me this tag." Yeah, <laughs> yeah and for those who didn't hear our our episode on moto art and the plane tags um, basically what they do is is they take um, for the plane tags they take aircraft skins that would um, otherwise uh, you know be junked or otherwise destroyed or you know recycled recycled yeah let's say let's say that and they make these uh, tags uh, out of little pieces of the of the skin that also are embossed or engraved i'm not sure what the process is with information about it's a aircraft. laser etching that they do yeah they have two really nice and well last time i was there they had two really nice laser etching machines that were awesome and then the other side of the business moto art they take airplane parts and build art or functional furniture out of it so they've taken tea tails from md80s and turned it into conference tables or reception tables um just beautiful stuff that they have yeah. So de- definitely some craftsmanship in that. Rob? Uh, I, I just wanted to say, since uh, somebody mentioned him uh, just, just a few minutes ago, uh, this is the uh, first anniversary uh, that we lost, uh, you know, Brad uh, last year, right around 4th of July. And, uh, it was on the 4th of July, yeah. yeah. Brad, where the hell are you? Brad! Brad! Okay. Yeah. So we miss you, dude. We do miss you. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> And, really and speaking of finding people, I found that Brian Schul was on episode 375 ah, of the Airplane okay. Geeks. So you could go to airplanegeeks.com slash 375 and listen to that really interesting interview. Yeah, I think I'm going to go do that, actually. All right. And, and Mike, I, you've got, um, well, you found an interesting item that's available for sale. Well, yeah, if anybody has just a little bit of extra cash, um, apparently... You can buy an airport, and it's not just any airport. It's a Limington Harmon Airport at 63B. That's the home of EAA Chapter 141, the people that put on the pancake breakfast at Spurwing Farm every year. And uh, it's up for sale for just $2.5 million. It's a bargain. Wow. It really is. And it's got some great planes that hang out there. There's a 1929 Travel Air 4000 that I've seen at Spurwing Farm several times. Last year, Max and I interviewed the owner of a Beautiful Beechcraft Stagger Wing. It's hangered out there. It's again, EAA Chapter 141 has their hangar out there. It's like I said, only 
$2.5 million, 14,520 square feet uh, foot hangar buildings, and a nearly 3,000-foot-long asphalt runway. There's also a grass strip. Bunk Chase lives right on the airport. You'll be able to see his gorgeous Piper. And the Runway Restaurant, which unfortunately closed because the uh, the owner or the, the, the chef moved to another location. But that's right on the property, too. So I think it's a great place that we should invest in. And I'm sure that the, uh, the Jet Wine Fund could probably pay for the whole thing, <laughs> I, don't you think? I, I'm beginning to think, well, if I put $1,000 down, let's see, what would the so you financial <laughs> guys and girls out there, what would the payments be if I put $1,000 down and I tried to spread the payments over 148 years? Or? <laughs> it's, it's, it's more than we pay you here. Yeah. Ah, yes. All right. Maybe I should think about that. But it, it really is a nice location. And Max, we remember we drove out there and had uh, had breakfast we out saw there. Bunk's and, plane. And you got to see it. It's in, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, beautiful place. Best airports always are. Hmm. That's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and and Max, being a narcissist, I wanted to mention where I'm going to be in the middle of nowhere. So Mike and I are, of course, doing the project. The journey is the org, and that's where I'm flying to get. Uh, my 3 million mile status with United Airlines. And right now I am 246,000 miles short. So I'm taking the summer off and I'll be flying to Singapore in late August. Nice. Uh, actually, the 29th of August is when I depart. So if anyone in Singapore wants to get together and have a meet up there, you could do that. And if anyone's interested uh, to, to get together with me in any of my other journeys, they could just send me an email and we could arrange for a meetup. And that'd be an awful lot of fun. Singapore actually has quite a large number of aviation companies there, so there are probably quite a few uh, listeners there. Uh, have you? I, f- I forget. Have you been to Singapore before, Brian? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Are you going to stay for any length of time? Or just... No, of course not. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll overnight there. Ah. So the flight gets in early in the morning, and then I'll stay overnight and then get on the, the flight. It's, I think, a 10 p.m. departure on the return. So it's basically two days. Yeah. Can't you stay a little bit longer? There's some. Sure, I can, but that's not the goal. <laughs> the goal is to get started. I know. I know. That's much, much longer than how long you stayed the last time you were there. Yeah. What, were you there 20 minutes or something? Yeah, just uh, enough time for them to clean the plane. And yeah, so I got off, got off the plane, went to the club, took a shower, had breakfast. They were ready to board, got back on the plane, and flew back home again. Yeah. Nice. There's nothing wrong with that. One of the times when I was at Singapore, a uh, business trip, and these tended to be long trips spanning the, the weekends. And so I went down to the uh, the beach because I had never been down to the beach area in Singapore. And apparently they had just had a, I don't know what you call it, a, a sand sculpture competition or festival. Like a sandcastle competition? Yeah, yeah, where there were these enormous, and I mean like 20 feet, 30 feet tall, artwork made out of sand and they had deteriorated a little bit. I think it was from the previous weekend. So a week had maybe elapsed or at least a few days had. So the, the sculpture, I'll call them sculptures because that's what they look like, had started to deteriorate, but it didn't matter. These things were just amazing. And I just love, you know, visiting places like that or visiting a place and just stumbling into something that you had no anticipation of, no expectation that there would be anything there, you know, and you discover these great things. That's to me, that's the best part about travel. Well, on this trip, actually, the same thing's happened to me, kind of. I, when I booked the ticket, I had no idea that the Singapore Grand Prix was going on. And that's happening 
that weekend. So I'm going to be there for the qualifying. So they qualify during the day, but they run the race at night because of the heat. And that's, I think, a really unique environment for the, the Formula One racing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that when I wasn't expecting to see it. See, that's cool. How hot is it there in the daytime? 90s. Yeah, it'll be in, yeah. And the humidity is just it's very high. East Coast. Yeah. I used to East change my clothes twice a day. I, I, I put on a, a set of clothes, go into work, and then just being outside after work, getting back to the hotel, I would just be drenched in sweat. I'd have to mm-hmm. change my, you know, take a shower, change my clothes. So like two showers a day. But, you know, that's for us, you know, New Englanders who aren't used to, the, to uh, you know, that much consistent heat and humidity. But it, it's hot. It's pretty close to the equator. And they keep telling me the Tiger beer is really good for uh, hydration, but I, I, I don't believe that to be true. Uh, I, I think it might be true. Hey, and I've got to tell you, Brian mentioned the Journey is a Reward podcast, and it has just been so much fun. If you can imagine the kind of patter that we have going on here with the four of us, when it's just me and Brian, it's even scarier, and it goes on for, <laughs> we do about 40 minutes, and, uh, and I think all three listeners are really enjoying it. <laughs> well, that's actually what's really amazed me is people are starting to write in. And ask questions. And it's absolutely fabulous. I never thought anyone would do that. Oh, and and it's it's so much fun because, like Micah said, it, we have a great time. But I thought, I, when I first started, I had all these dreams about what the, what the website would be, what the show would be, and do a video thing. And Max, I still have to say, I have no idea how you've done this for all these years. It's <laughs> so much work to get that done. So all of my dreams got completely scaled back over <laughs> doing this stuff. And I'm absolutely not the audio whiz that you are in doing this. So the production value is not there. And uh, it's just so difficult, but so much fun to do. And Mike, Mike is a great co-host as well. Yes, so. yes. All right. Well, hey, why don't we move on to a little, just a little bit of listener mail because we have a couple of interesting items before we before we wrap it up. You, uh, we get mail. We do. We get a, we get quite a lot of mail actually. Uh, if you'd like to write us, it's the geeks at airplanegeeks.com, of course. And uh, we've been uh, talking about the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta coming up in October, October first through 9th. This year, 2022, and I had, uh, well, I'm going, and I had uh, previously asked uh, you all if there were any advice for first-timers, and we got uh, another email from from Sean, who uh, went to high school and college in New Mexico, so uh, he knows all about the uh, balloon fiesta, and he's got some recommendations. Um, these can be uh, thought of in conjunction with the others. In fact, he says, as the previous contributor indicated, quote, get there very early. He says, we got up about 3.30 a.m. each day uh, to get around uh. and get to a shuttle stop <laughs> to arrive early. Oh, God, I'm going to have to do that, I guess. Um, but it, here's a, gr- a good tip. He says, unless you are camping on site, which unfortunately I'm not, or staying at a hotel within a few blocks of the Balloon Fiesta, uh, the park, unfortunately I'm not, he says taking a shuttle, usually a school bus, from specific pickup points to the park shortens the time to get to the park. If you want to drive, be ready for long lines to get into the parking lot. So normally I like to drive because shuttles, you know, you have to carry everything that you need for the, you know, for the entire duration of the day. I just like to have the car there, you know, the base camp, you know, the little mobile base camp kind of. a. But in this case, it sounds like that's a really bad idea that uh, taking the shuttle is the way to go. And he says, dress warm. 
He's like, this is New Mexico, right? He says, dress warm since you will be getting there before sunrise. Oh my it's gosh. the desert. In yep. Octo- October, temperatures, he says, can be down in the 40s and standing outside gets cold. Uh, he says, um, now this I knew about. Daily winds are in control of whether the balloons will launch each day. I think in a, in a, they have an app that will let you know that. If the winds are too high, he says, they will cancel that morning's launch. So it's good to know what's going on. He says, definitely plan on attending at least one Glodio. Is that a Glodio? I, 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 I know them by a different name. This is the, the nighttime burn, he says, that illuminates the balloon envelope. Um, I think I just know them as balloon glows. Um, so I, I assume the Glodio, which I've seen once at a much, much, much smaller uh, balloon fiesta. Like a rodeo, a glodio sounds. A glodio, like it makes sense. Yeah, I, I like that I was better. Going to say, wasn't that a, a, a Roy Rogers film, The Glodio Rides Again? <laughs> glodio Rides Again. Probably. I thought was. this had something to do with the magic weed that grows and people, you know, and they glow. <laughs> okay, all right. The, the magic weed. What? What? Ma- never mind. Uh, okay. And uh, then Sean hey, says, a "Family show. It we is. Shouldn't be, <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this. Are we a family show? Uh, yes, we are. Okay." Uh, he says, card and pin collecting is a favorite activity. I didn't know this. He says, the pilots and crew of many balloons have unique trading cards that describe their balloons. That sounds like fun. That's cool. So Sean says that uh, he and his family have been uh, kicking around the idea of attending the fiesta again this year. So I hope you do, Sean. Uh, hope we yeah, can get, this uh, might put uh, him over the edge since he'll be there. Yeah. Um, and he also mentions, uh, Sean lives, uh, down in the Tucson area now. And he says, uh, you know, if you get some time, uh, take a little trip down to Tucson t- for the, uh, Pima Air Museum. It is great. Uh, I, yeah, I visited the Pima Air Museum. I don't know how many years ago it was, uh, a lot of years ago, 10 years ago, maybe more. I, I'm not sure. Uh, spectacular. I mean, and completely, yeah, completely different than every other museum that I've been to. You know, it's it's different than the Dayton Museum. It's different than the Air and Space Museum. Mostly it's outside. At least it was back then. And, you know, the aircraft are stored out there. And they just have, God, like hundreds or a thousand airplanes out or aircraft out there. So that, that would Well, be- you know, speaking of the Air and Space Museum, I'm going to sidetrack you for a minute, Max. Tell us about innovations in flight. Oh, I forgot all about that. That's right. So... <laughs> How could you forget about that? I guess because I'm like thinking ahead into the few, all these things coming up, you know, Spurwink and Albuquerque and all this stuff. So yeah, so it was a different event from years and from pre-COVID, as as you all know, and as as listening know maybe that pre-COVID, besides having the outdoor display of aircraft that flew in, and besides having the you know the museum itself open. Um, there were also special exhibitors inside the museum. And for many, many years, Airplane Geeks was one of those exhibitors. We got invited back each year, and we would all, we would set up a table indoors. Um, we would have microphones. We would record interviews, uh, meet, meet our listeners, uh, introduce other people to the podcast, and so forth. So this year, same as last year, no inside exhibitors. So it was the the, the museum uh, was open, but otherwise everybody was out was outside for the uh, for the aircraft on display. And of course, our friend Hillel flew his plane in there, uh, 
we had some uh, some other folks. Uh, another another listener flew in, was part of the uh, aircraft on display there. And I would say that, well, I would say that there were a lot of people there, a lot of people. In fact, it to me, it felt like the attendance was greater than it had been in the past. But uh, I don't know. There were thousands of people there. Um, it was a nice day. Uh, the weather was nice. United had a 757-200 that they, um, that they brought in. United is a, is a sponsor of the event. Um, there was an uh, A400M aircraft there with those great big giant turboprops. That was uh, nice to see. Who brought in the A400M? That's, that's, not, a, uh, that's not a U.S. Uh, Air Force aircraft. Lufthansa. Uh, uh, Luft, uh, the, uh, the German Air Force. Luftwaffe? Luftwaffe. That's what I was trying to think of. Not Lufthansa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, and, a, and a bunch of other planes. So it was, a, it was a good event. The temperature was nice. One of the, uh, the high points uh, was they had some uh, aircraft firefighting equipment there. And they had, um, I think, a, a truck that was used for de-icing. Um, but instead of de-icing fluid, they just had water in it, and they they raised the boom way up, and then they started, like, spritzing water out of the boom, which, of course, attracted clouds of children looking to get sprayed by by the water, and as well as a few adults who also couldn't resist uh, jumping in as well, I, I think probably Rob would have been there. Oh yeah, I I was well. Absolutely. If it had been the day before, I would have done it too because the day before it was ninety five degrees. Uh, it, it was much cooler um, on that Saturday. But if it had been as hot as the day before, I think the entire place would have been underneath that. But uh, it was fun. The kids were all yelling and screaming, and you know, having a great time getting sprayed by this uh, by this big device. And did Hillel fly in? Yes, he did, uh, and his son as well. Yeah, they both Good. they both flew in, and um, and how, what was the turnout like at uh, the Red Robin? Uh, very small, um, because we didn't have our base of operations, the table where we, you know, that we manned throughout the event. Um, it was uh, it was kind of hard to coordinate that sort of thing, and I think we didn't just didn't have as many listeners. Uh, attending as uh, has been the case in the past, I think because of the, the different format, perhaps. So it was very nice. We had a great time, but it was uh, smaller than uh, than we'd had in the past. Yeah, well, hopefully next year they'll open up the the inside to third party vendors, and I hope we'll be so. able to have a table there again. Tanya flew down for the uh, the dinner at the Red Robin, um, which was especially amazing because. Guess what? Her flight was delayed by like hours, so she she missed the entire event. So Tanya flew down from New York City to dinner <laughs> to dinner with us at the Red Robin. Now I understand this is truly dedication, and it's yes. someone who must love our podcast, and we certainly love her. But I understand flying to D.C. for dinner. I get that. That could be a lot of fun. That could be a wonderful romantic thing. But flying to D.C. for dinner at a Red Robin? Yeah, oh that's, that's dedication. Hey, do we know how to live? We do. We do. Exactly. All right. One more uh, piece of listener mail. This was from Mike. He said, yes, if we seen this. This is an article, World's Most Efficient Passenger Plane Gets Hydrogen Powertrain. And this is about the auto aviation Solera 500L. And 
they claim that in its standard fossil fuel propelled form, that it's the most fuel efficient, commercially viable business aircraft in the world. Now, this is a kind of a bulbous aerodynamic shape to it. It looks sleek and everything. It's also been called a flying suppository because that's kind of what it looks Family like. Show. Family, Family show. Family show. I, th- I think it looks more like the body of a great white shark. Yeah, you know, I, I thought Just the body, the torso part, right? Get rid of right, the fins right, right. and all, but it's really that shape. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a whale. It says They say it uses 80% less fuel than a traditional design, and this is with a 550-horsepower combustion engine. Um, so, you know, I'm reading this article. I'm thinking, okay, vaporware, you know, as David would say, vaporware, vaporware, you know, so here's another great idea. Well, they've built a full-scale demonstrator and have flown this. Uh, so far, 55 successful test flights. It flies six passengers up to 4,500 nautical miles, cruise speed over 460 miles an hour. It's got this super glide ratio. Rob, what's the glide ratio, you know, of a Falcon or, or a Gulfstream? Or, oh, my do you have Lord. Any idea? That, that's a question that, that I should have been prepared for, I know, I, and I, I, I am not. I don't have a clue. I, I blind. Somebody. But is it five miles or ten miles or? Um, you know, it depends on the airplane. I mean, there are some sailplanes, of course, that have, uh, you know, incredible glide ratios. You know, fifty to one. I mean, they'll they'll stay in the air a long time. But a, a you know, say a business jet with a lot of uh, a lot of metal hanging out. Uh, aerodynamic or not. Let me see if I can find a number while we're talking. Right, well, while you, while you're looking for that. Ratios. Uh, this Solera has a glide ratio of 22 to 1, which says that it'll glide for up to about 120 miles, completely unpowered. The wings on it, you know, they, they look a little like, like glider wings. You know, they, they have that same kind of aspect ratio of uh, what you'd expect on a, on a glider. And I don't know, I don't know why that is. I don't know if, if the body... Uh, the fuselage, well, it's all fuselage, so it's other than <laughs> yeah. that. You know, is a, is a lifting body kind of device or, you know, and so it contributes to the to the lift? I don't know. It's the wings. It, it, yeah, it doesn't look like the body would be a lifting force. No, it, no. But I no, can't explain why the, why the wings are, you know, have that type of aspect ratio. I found a source that said uh, commercial aircraft typically have a, a, a 20 to 1 glide ratio. Uh, you know, now, of course, they're they're generalizing about, uh, uh, you know, a whole whole variety of uh, jet airplanes. And, of course, bigger airplanes with a lot of junk hanging. A 747 would not glide as far as, say, uh, an MD-80 or, uh, you know, a, an A320. So it's, it's a little hard to tell, but people would actually, we would actually go out and, and try that and just pull the engines back to idle just so the pilots could say, Oh, this is what it feels like if if we basically lose most of the power. Just so you could you could have a feeling of what it was like, because there are some aircraft. I mean, when I was still teaching in the Cirrus, I mean, Max T knows this. Um, you do not get to uh, you know three hundred feet on final with with full flaps down and have the PIC just yank the throttle back to idle because you will crash. I mean, that airplane will come down like a brick 
with with full flaps down. And and so I'm just saying it. You, you need to know the individual aspects of of every aircraft you fly. Sure, that makes sense. To you don't want the first time you experience it to be the only time you've experienced it. Absolutely. But I have some questions about the auto. The questions would be, they said hydrogen-powered, but what is it? Is it going to be a hydrogen fuel cell, or is it some other form of, of hydrogen? It doesn't say. I'm curious how they contain the hydrogen, because hydrogen leaks out of everything. So you lose a lot of it. And then most importantly, for any hydrogen-powered processor or engine, where is the hydrogen coming from? Nine times out of ten, it's stripped from natural gas, which means it's really not – it may be fuel efficient, but it's really not saving any energy or doing anything to save the environment at all. So I think it's all great. Yeah, they're flying it. Maybe it's not quite vaporware, but it's borderline. And it, and it hasn't achieved anywhere near close to, to what the claims are for what the finished aircraft is going to be scale model or not. I mean, 250 miles an hour is is not 450, and it certainly hasn't flown 4,500 miles nonstop, uh, even on, you know, any of that. So I, yeah. I'm just saying that, as David said, there are so many new potential uh, flying machines out there, and everybody has incredible claims on them. Uh, I I need to see some of them perhaps a bit more developed before I'll buy it. But I'm hoping that at some point we can get Neil Clowley on from uh, uh, from Faraday, who uh, spoke at uh, the PTUK 400 episode and who has an aircraft that is looks very, very energy efficient. And the beauty of what he had to say was that it doesn't matter what powers it. We'll put in what we've got now and we'll be able to change out the engine to whatever system there is. And hopefully we'll be able to get him on sometime. Yeah, we'd like to. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed listening to him on that episode. Yeah, you know, he said that he would come on. It's just a scheduling issue. Yeah, so yeah. we just we just need to find the right time. Mostly these days that means a max flight scheduling issue since I am doing other things most of the time now, it seems like. But You're a busy guy. Busy guy. Uh, Spurwink next. Let's wrap this up. Thanks for listening to the Airplane Geeks podcast. Our guest, of course, was Johnny Jett, and you can find him at johnnyjett.com. Again, that's J-O-H-N-N-Y-J-E-T.com. Thanks to uh, Johnny for for you know making time in his schedule. He's he's one of those guys that uh, is is sort of always on the go, and um, it's uh, it was our our privilege to have him come on the show. Uh, of course, you can find us at airplanegeeks.com. Show notes for this episode are at airplanegeeks.com slash 706. That's the, the direct link. And as I mentioned earlier, email is thegeeks at airplanegeeks.com. All right, Rob Mark, tell us where uh, where we can find you. Well, in my best days, I'll find us at uh, jetwine.com along with myself and Scott Spangler and uh, of course, uh, it uh, business and commercial aviation, uh, where I write often. They don't publish much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, you know, we've got to have one of those little sound effects where the, you know, with the cymbals and the drums. Okay, I'm sorry. That's well, Rob. As soon as you start telling jokes, we'll be able to use it. <laughs> yeah. God, I. You know what's really sad is that I never walked into stuff like I do <laughs> these days. I mean, it's just, Micah, what do I do? 
I think it'll all be better once you get the screw loose fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. Hey, listen, it's been it's been a real honor to to uh, to be on with the, the, these two old guys uh, that are doing some kind of podcast about flying for a billion miles or something. Is it a billion or a million, Brian? Only three million. Oh, three million. I'm yeah, very million. can can you imagine that guy though that uh, Johnny was talking about that had what twenty five million miles or something? That's a, uh, yeah, it's a cra- it's a crazy number. I, I I can't even imagine that. Uh, but better you than me, my friend. Why? Thank you. All right, Micah, where uh, where can we find you? Well, if you want to reach me, you can always follow me on Twitter, and that handle is at MainFly, Maine like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Fly, F-L-Y, and that's usually the easiest place to reach me. If you're upset by anything I had to say today, you can always write to I am offended at Yahoo. No, it's I am really offended. I am really offended at yahoo.com. It's a real email address that Brian checks, and he'll let me know that you're offended. And, of course, you can always catch me, speaking of being offended, on the Journey is a Reward podcast, which uh, should be we should be recording episode 13 or 14 this week. Very good. Yeah, if all goes well, we will. All right, Brian. And tell us where we can find that. Well, I'm not being social on social media, but I'm being social in the air. So you can always get a hold of me at Brian at theairplanegeeks.com or Brian at thejourneyistherewar.org. Very good. Dot org. Remember the dot org. The dot org's the important part. That's it's so frustrating that someone has dot com and they're not using it for anything. Uh, yes. I Squatters. Know. Uh. <laughs> All right. And you can find me at thirty thousand feet dot com. And I'll mention that next week is the fourth of July uh, for us, and we'll take the week off. But the following week will be episode seven oh seven. So there's a like clue. the jet. There's a clue about the topic for that episode. Oh, wow. There might be something special? Maybe. There, there might be. Oh. So please join us next time as we talk aviation on the Airplane Geeks podcast. Bye, everybody. Good night, everybody. Fly safely. Thanks for listening, and God bless you, Launchpad. <laughs>